Hey, y'all. I'm your host, Kendra, and I'm here to tell you all about true black crime. I want to bring the light, the unheard, and push down stories of black serial killers, lesser known murderers, and true tales of crime scene cleanup. The danger in ignoring black victims and perpetrators is not only in the devaluation of black life, but also in ignoring systematic oppression that makes black people more vulnerable to violent crime and less likely to receive justice. I'm not saying let's celebrate black crime, but let's just bring some light to it and let the people know what's really happening. True crime is horrible. Luckily, I'm not. Here we go. These are their stories. Hey, y'all, and welcome back to the second episode of In Killing Color. It's me, your host, Kendra, and I'm really excited about the story today because, well, let me not say excited, but I'm ready to tell it and talk about it because when I heard about this story several years ago, it was pretty horrific, but it was interesting because you got a first like first point of view from the mom, the person, the perpetrator. And it was just, it was actually pretty wild. So I'm definitely excited to talk about this. Um, Thank you for tuning in again. And here we go. It was supposed to just be like a simple eviction, you know, you don't pay your rent, you get put out, and that just is what it is. But once authorities um, got into the perpetrator's house, they find something that was pretty disturbing and probably would make anybody just kind of fold into themselves and just kind of like crumple. Um, this case is about Michelle Blair. I think his name, her name is Michelle. It got a T in it, so it's like Mitchell. I'm just going to say Michelle or Blair, but y'all get what I'm saying. Um, You know, to everybody else, uh, Michelle was a loving mother. Um, She would do anything for her children. But in reality, she actually always abused her kids verbally and physically. Uh, She did have four children. She had two girls um, by Alexander Dorsey. Uh, The daughters were Gabrielle and Stoney and two boys fathered by Stephen Berry we had Stephen Berry Jr. and Matthew. So remember those names, Gabby, Stoney, Stephen, and Matthew. It was four. Okay? Remember the number. Four. So this, uh, back in 2015, Michelle was 35 years old, and she was living on the east side of Detroit with her four kids when she was evicted for not paying her rent. Her relative says that she was unable to keep a job and she would always call them for money. And it was kind of like, hey, girl, like we can't keep giving you money. Like you possibly need to get a job. But Michelle was like, fuck that shit. I'm not getting a job. So she didn't get a job. So her family was like, well, we're not giving you any money. So they basically stopped giving her money. Um, They told her maybe she should go back to school, get a job, all that. She was like, no, I'm not doing that. So on the 
24th of March, 2015, she got an eviction notice, but she wasn't at home. So back then, I guess it's like, not back then, but I guess it's in location wise. If you get evicted, they're putting a note. You don't respond to the note. They come in the house and they throw into the curb. All your stuff be on the curb and you come home and be like, what happened? You know what happened. So, yeah. So she wasn't there when they served the note. And then the crew from the 36th District Court went in the house and started removing the furniture from the home. So they were clearing out the house. I'm also going to post pictures later of the house to probably to the Instagram so that you can see it because it will give a better visual for the story so that you can actually put yourself in the place of it because that's that's what I did. Um, I kind of fell into this story. I, I know I'm backtracking, but, you know, I fell into this story one day. I was literally riding in the car with my mom. And I was messing around online and this was probably like 2017. Um, I was looking at the story and I just happened to read it and like, I could not stop reading the story. Like it was just like, I cannot believe somebody did that. And the pictures just like sent me to like another realm. Like I was actually like my stomach was hurting. Like I was disgusted and it was just like, what? Like, you know, every, everybody lives differently. Everybody keep the house differently. But it was just like, once you see the pictures, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So <clears throat> the crew went into the house and started taking the stuff out. And then the next thing that they removed, it wasn't a piece of furniture. And once they figured out what it was, that's when the shit hit the fan. They were in the living room and they found a deep freezer. Now, we, you know, like, we can't judge anybody's living area. Like I said, like, if you need a deep freezer because you got tons of kids, a lot of food, and don't have a lot of space, you're going to put it where it can go. So picture a white deep freezer behind a couch. Everybody knows what a deep freezer looks like. So they go in the house, clearing out, find a deep freezer. Obviously, you're going to open it up to see if there's any food or anything in it. But when they opened it up, wasn't no food in said deep freezer. No food. And it wasn't even on. So it was a hot box in the living room behind the couch. So they opened it up and they found a black plastic bag, which they opened up. And they found a body. Of course. You knew that I was going to say that. They found a body. And they opened the bag. I don't know how long the freezer had not been on, but the body was completely frozen. And they saw that it was a little girl. Okay. Shock number one. When the police arrived, after that, they found another body under the girl they found a little boy so not only do you have a deep freezer in your house behind the couch it has two bodies in it and you just tooting around in the house watching tv like like literally nothing is going on that's mind-blowing to me 
Um, once the police didn't see her there when they were removing the stuff, um, one of the neighbors came and quickly snitched on her and told where she was. She was literally across the street at another neighbor's house with her other two kids that at that time they were eight and 17, but two kids were missing. And we found out later that it was Steven who was nine and Stoney who was 13. They weren't over at the house with everybody else, but people weren't kind of putting the math together just yet. After a little bit of questioning, of course, she was arrested. And then when the police took her away, they just said she looked at them and said, I'm sorry. Just pause real quick. I'm, I'm sorry. You know, I mean, I'm sorry. That's, that's, that's all you got to say. Okay. All right. So meanwhile, as they were clearing out the rest of the house, um, the authorities took the bodies to the morgue. It literally took three days for the bodies to unthaw. Three days for the bodies to unthaw so that they could do an autopsy. Um, at that point, then the kids were identified as the two kids, Stephen Barry and Stoney Blair. The medical examiner ruled their deaths homicides, of course, and determined that they had been in the freezer, dot, 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 for at least, dot, 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 a couple of years. I'm going to say that one more time so you can hear what I said. Their bodies were in a freezer for a couple of years. So this was 2015. So that means couple means two, at least, if I'm not I'm correct. So that means from 2013 to 2015, you was carrying on with your life and... Uh, there was two bodies in your living room and you had two other kids just there. Like it was nothing. Okay, Michelle. So of course, uh, she pleaded guilty and then she told judge Dana Hathaway that she killed her demons after finding out they were raping her youngest son, a claim that has never actually been substantiated. Blair said that she came home one day in August of 2012 to find her youngest son simulating sexual activities using dolls. She said she asked him, why are you doing that? Did somebody do that to you? He then said that his brother Stephen had done that to him. So Mama Bear went upstairs to confront him. And it's kind of like when I read the word confront, it was like not check, not ask, confront. So that means she go upstairs ready to blow some shit up. Kind of understandable, but I don't, I don't know. So she said that when she went upstairs, she said he confessed. And that's when she began punching and kicking him before placing a garbage bag over his head until he lost all consciousness. This little boy is nine. So... Just think about that for a second. Blair stated that she repeatedly poured scalding hot water on his genitals, causing the skin to peel off. Let's reverse back. Nine years old, bag on head, losing consciousness, water, peeling skin. She said later on that day, she made Stephen drink Windex, and wrapped a belt around her son's neck, lifted him up, and asked, 
Do you like how this feels when you're getting choked with a belt? She said at that point, he lost consciousness again. Like, I'm literally at like a loss for like, this is a mom. But you know, I I guess maybe I'm coming off judgy, so I'm not going to do that. Whatever. But yeah, so yeah, he lost consciousness after that point. So after two weeks, two full weeks of torture, she tortured this little boy for two weeks. He died on August the 30th, 2012. 2012, 2012, she then put his body in her deep freezer and closed it. Just a short nine months later, after Stephen died, Blair said that she found out that her 13-year-old daughter, Stoney, was also raping her youngest son. Stoney's case was kind of personal to Blair because of what Matthew said happened. Matthew told his mom that his sister would squeeze blood out of her menstrual pad and put it in his mouth. Like, really? Like, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't I don't know. Like you, you never know the minds of people and what people do, but he this little boy told his mama that his sister was squeezing period blood into his mouth. At that point, Michelle began starving Stoney and brutally beating her literally until she died in May of 2013. So she was going to turn herself in, but then her youngest baby, the one that had confessed all of this stuff, told her he didn't want her to go to jail. So she decided to make other arrangements. Michelle put her daughter Stoney's body in a plastic bag and stuffed her in the deep freezer on top of Stephen and continued living in the home like nothing was wrong. Michelle was in court and she said, She raped my son. I intentionally killed her. When I found out what Stoney was doing to Matthew, it was nine months after I found out about Stephen. So for the whole nine months that were in the house, she was still raping my child. I didn't know that. When I first found out, I repeatedly punched her. On many occasions, I punched her, put a bag over her head so she lost consciousness. I threw hot water on her. I hit her on the head multiple times over and over and over. That is a direct quote from her in court. If you ever want to take a second, you can go to YouTube. Her court videos are there. And listening to her tell that story is literally like, it'll have you like with a little shiver because it was really, really, really bad. Um, Stephen Gage, Barry, and Stoney and Blair were in the deep freezer for almost three years and nobody Nobody looked for them. Both of their dads were not in their life and the mom had taken them out of school. So nobody was looking for them anyway. She told the school officials that she was going to teach them at home, did all the paperwork. And whenever the neighbors asked about the kids, she always had an excuse. Oh, they're over my mom's house. They're somewhere else. But the whole time they were in the deep freezer in the living room. 
The Wayne County Medical Examiner, Carl Schmidt, took the stand in the custody trial Friday because they went to court and there was also a custody trial because they were trying to take away her parental rights and the dad's as well. Because at which point both of y'all is at fault because nobody was around. He said that he took his findings of the heinous abuse that he said occurred over a long period of time. After those few days it took for the bodies to thaw, he began those autopsies. He found long-heeled scars and a multitude of intentional burns, mostly from cigarettes on both the kids' bodies. Katrina Hayden, a social worker with Child Protective Services, her testimony said she investigated her way back in 2002. 2002. After receiving an abuse complaint stemming from burns on the hands of both of Blair's daughters. What happened after that CPS case was unconfirmed, but they confirmed the abuse was still unclear. And Hayden said the file was destroyed. So they were investigating her 10 years before she killed one of her kids, but nothing ever came of it because they couldn't prove it. CPS investigated and confirmed another report of abuse in 2005 after someone was bathing the girls and they found numerous scars on their backs. Hayden said Blair received services, quote, quote, services following the investigation, but a petition was never filed to remove custody. So you was investigated in 2002 and five. Nobody found nothing. Nobody did nothing. That's also how we know we need to be looking into this stuff because this shit happens way, 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 way too much. The medical examiner found that Stoney's arm had been fractured at some point in her life. She had never received medical attention. He spoke of the extreme pain the girl must have endured while it healed without a cast and the broken bone basically was grinding on itself every single day. Stoney literally had freshly carved out tissue on her right shoulder, possibly caused by a caustic substance being poured on a wound. So basically like somebody was getting burnt and somebody was pouring bleach on it or somebody was pouring something on it and it like, ugh, ugh. Both of Stoney's ears had extensive tissue loss. And in a quote from Smith, he said, I don't quite know what would have caused that, but it looks like they were almost chewed off. He also said, wherever you look, there was either a scar, an ulceration, a burn, or some type of bruise all over both of their bodies. Both children, based on scarring on the sides of their mouths and the inside, basically had been slapped and punched numerous times. They had chipped teeth and they were both severely malnourished. Now, it's like you see that and you don't, we're not going to, we're not just, we're just going to leave the kids here. We're not going to remove the kids. Like you see it, like it's not, people have seen it. There was, they were telling you guys this was happening and nobody, nobody still did nothing. Nobody did anything. People never get in trouble for it. The, CPS never gets in trouble. They just move on to the next case. And it's always like, well, this could have been prevented. This could have been prevented 10 years ago, but whatever. Like, but I bet you that don't happen. Never mind. 
I ain't even about to say that, but you already know what I was getting ready to say. Um, <clears throat> if you actually um, see inside the apartment where the abuse was occurring, Stoney was starved so long that her ribs showed through her skin and she was 13. Her body basically began consuming energy inside for itself. She only had five millimeters of fat padding for her stomach. I probably should have checked that fact. I'm not sure how much you're supposed to have, but I'm sure five millimeters is not enough for anybody. The mom told the judge that she did not feel any remorse for her actions. They had no remorse with what they did to my son. Therefore, there was no other option. There is no excuse for rape and I would kill them again. That was the part of the video that just had my mouth dropped open she literally she didn't give a fuck she said hey it, you do you get like to your own kids not like turn them in having them go somewhere and get some help do something else it's like I'll handle it myself let me just put you in the freezer after I do all this stuff to you okay Prosecutor Karen Goldfarb stated that they found no evidence of rape on little Matthew. So let's rewind back to the beginning of the story. Matthew told his mama that they was raping him, but the prosecutor stated that they found no evidence of rape on the little boy. None. The Wayne County Circuit Judge Edward Joseph terminated Michelle Blair's parental rights of her surviving children. Child Protective Services saw that it was best for the children to both be put up for adoption. So one child, I looked it up, the oldest daughter, she ended up going to foster care, but now she's in college. Um, they have, you know, she's had extensive, extensive therapy, all these things. They didn't want to release any more information about her because they just wanted to keep it, keep it tight and keep it moving. But her Youngest son, Matthew, he was actually adopted by another family, which they wouldn't say who the family was. They didn't say anything, but they also said he had been through extensive therapy as well. But at this point, like, what do you expect? Like, these these kids would grow up to possibly have the worst trauma dealings and those always manifest mostly into some other disorder whether it's like narcissism or antisocial blah blah blah, whatever y'all all know all the stories because I'm sure you listen to these stories all the time just like I do childhood trauma always comes back up later especially stuff like that and it comes up bad whether it's you doing that to your kid you whatever we see it every day we hear about it all the time and it's just like nobody puts a priority on the mental health of children. And that's a whole separate topic issue. But these kids need therapy too, okay? Because the kids need it as well. Because they, child, the kids need therapy. Uh, Michelle Blair, she pleaded guilty in June of 2015 to two counts of first degree premeditated murder. And she is now serving life at the Huron Valley Correctional Facility in Ypsilanti, Michigan without the possibility of parole. <sighs> yeah. So that story was a lot for me 
I'm I'm 100 gonna post those pictures because I I want y'all to listen to that and then go back and look at the pictures. Like just get into it because it'll give you a different perspective of how these kids were living, how in close proximity they were to basically dead bodies. Like I don't I don't know how people would like how you understand and how you would process living in house every day, just tooting around, knowing that your brother and your sister are over behind the couch, dead. I mean, me as a kid, I'm not even gonna hold you. I'm probably gonna look. I'm, but I'm gonna look, cause kids are gonna look. How do you keep your kids? He's little. How do you keep him from going in there, busting in his mouth? Don't go in there and look at your dead sisters, y'all. Right. Anyway, uh, I appreciate y'all for listening. This was episode number two of course i want to make sure you follow me on instagram at in killing color facebook in killing color twitter in killing color and my website in killing color pod dot wordpress dot com <laughs> uh research obviously was done by i did it you know wikipedia news wbtv the googles basically and I want to say thank you to my producer, of course, the Sweet Talkers Network. Follow them. It's the Sweet Talkers. My theme song is by Remix Masters. Check them out. I'll make sure I link everybody. Make sure you follow, like, and subscribe and all that. Bye. Organized training.